Hi, I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to GunWire. So you may have heard that uh, our president has pushed another bit of his urgent, vital gun control efforts to help destroy the Second Amendment, which is his agenda, of course. And part of that has been to abuse through agency regulation in any way that he can. Not just go after dealers, which you've heard me talk about, and we've had that fight on a couple of dealers already where we've luckily won. But now one of his latest moves is to reclassify uh, what are called pistol braces as making firearms into SBRs, which are short barrel rifles. Now the pistol brace has been around almost 10 years now. And what it does is it attaches to a handgun so it gives greater stability and allows for greater accuracy when shooting your handgun. And it was used extensively by wounded and injured uh, veterans and those that have uh, injuries or handicaps with shooting. And it would allow for their ability to shoot much better, more accurately as an aid in bracing the firearm. And they became very popular because with a brace, even though there was debate as to whether you can or cannot shoulder a brace until eventually it was determined you can shoulder the brace, what would occur is your firing of a pistol with a brace became more accurate. In the bottom line, all a brace does is make your shooting more accurate. So it is fair to say that uh, Biden has engaged in a war on accuracy. And they want, when you shoot a firearm, they want you to be all over the place. They don't want accuracy. They want you to hit targets you didn't intend. They want bullets to fly wild. They obviously do not want you to be accurate because all a pistol brace does is improve accuracy. And what Biden has done through his administration is determine that the brace turns a firearm into an SBR. An SBR is a short barrel rifle. Now, short barrel rifles and short barrel shotguns have been prohibited under the National Firearm Act since the 1930s, and they're in the same category as possession of a machine gun. Now, the whole absurdity of the 1934 National Firearms Act is, a, is a, I guess, a whole other debate we could have, and the National Firearms Act is itself an affront, of course, to the Second Amendment, and that the things that created, the politics that created the ban of the 30s were uh, were a combination of what was a, a naive understanding of the pro-gun folks at the time and, of course, a major dose of Hollywood. And it was the media even then where the uh, few that misused firearms, these things were turned into, you know, Warner Brother movies, and everyone knew that if you banned machine guns, you'd end gang violence and that only criminals use these things, etc. And all that's, of course, nonsense and false. But the same politics of that period of the 30s. And they say that the idea of an SBR or a short barrel rifle, it really shouldn't even have been something 
that has ever been banned. And reality of it is we need to repeal the entire NFA because there's just no reality to it. You start distinguishing between fully automatic and semi-automatic, and it really just gets downright silly. Um, Bullets are coming out of that gun, and it's the person, not the firearm. If your barrel is short but you have a stock, so now it's a little more accurate with a stock than if you didn't have a stock on a shorter barrel, who cares? Um, There's been various workarounds that, of course, show the absurdity to it all with sawed-off shotguns because we ban sawed-off shotguns, we can have a shockwave. So, you know, try to distinguish any kind of material issue between a sawed-off shotgun and a shockwave. There's nothing. And sort of shotguns shouldn't be uh, prohibited either. Well, why not? I mean, we have 14-inch barrel shockwaves. It's not a problem. It comes down to people, not guns. This is something we're going to get to a little later in the show. And this focus on material objects has always been a folly. But the problem with the folly is that there can be serious penalties at play if you are caught in their game of musical chairs and you end up being a victim of gun laws. And I don't want to see any of you become a victim of gun laws. So, for example, someone has sent a letter to me, and it's on this very topic. It's from Salvatore regarding pistol braces. Evan, now that BATFE has determined that any pistol with a pistol brace be classified as an SBR, how does it affect New Jersey residents that have purchased NJ legal other firearms? Well, this is a very important question, not only for the United States, in which there's an estimated up to 40 million pistols with braces. That's the estimate. Anywhere from 10 million to 40 million of these braced pistols. And individuals in New Jersey have a special concern because it is particularly troublesome for individuals in New Jersey. I'll explain that in a minute. The SBR issue itself is going to turn all these into the equivalent of possessing essentially an unregistered machine gun under federal law because SBRs are in that same category. So you're going to have to take some kind of action unless the lawsuits that are coming are successful in stopping this law from taking effect. The onus is on us. It's on us to take action. That's how ATF, they're like the original make-work agency, of course, Why did they allow this for 10 years and then suddenly reverse themselves, creating this havoc, this wreck, this mess? They knew originally that it was fine and it served this great purpose, and now politically that's all that's changed. So this brace rule says that within 120 days, you're given this so-called grace period to take action. And one of the actions you can take is you can voluntarily give up your gun and brace. Sure, I'm sure everyone wants to run out and just give with no compensation, give up their gun and their brace. They say that you can uh, remove the brace, but it's not really crystal clear about everything about that removal. More information is going to come out because although they publish this, there's one little step more to being completely formalized, but it should happen any day. And maybe even by the time you're hearing this show, it might have officially been triggered. So removal of the brace appears to be an option, but we may have to do, we might have to do more than remove it. Time will tell. we got to see. But at least removing seems to be an option. The other thing is you can register, which they're allowing you to do a National Firearms Act registration, where you register your 
braced pistol as an SBR with the federal government. They supposedly have a 120-day grace period to do that registration. So you can keep your brace on the pistol if it's registered as an SBR, and that's an NFA, National Firearm Act, registration through the feds. Normally, there'd be a $200 tax to do such registration. The uh, key here is that they have waived that or made it their 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 uh not imposing, shall we say, the $200 tax. So you're able to do this NFA registration uh, without spending the $200. How nice of them. So if you want to take that option, that is, of course, an option. But here's where the problem comes in for New Jerseyans. You see, New Jerseyans that currently have pistols with braces have under New Jersey law, a pistol with a brace as determined by the state police who followed federal regulation regarding this, to their credit. They said, look, the feds say this is just a pistol with a brace and we'll go along with that in so many words. But now here's the problem. The feds no longer say that. So in New Jersey, if you have a pistol with a brace under the fed reg that is now changed you now have an sbr a short barrel rifle you do not have a pistol with a brace and although the feds will allow you to possess a short barrel rifle if it's properly registered under the national firearm act which the current Rule change supposedly allows you to do within 120 days. You can register it as an SBR. That only makes you legal for federal law purposes. It only makes your SBR, formerly pistol brace, now SBR, federally legal. But in so doing, you're federally declaring that your pistol is now a short barrel rifle. And under New Jersey law, there is no lawful way for a citizen to possess a short barrel rifle. Short barrel rifles are prohibited in New Jersey, period, end of story. It doesn't matter that you have a federally registered, NFA, legal, federal government-approved short-bow rifle. New Jersey says short-bow rifles are prohibited. So we're short-bow shotguns for that matter. And so what you're doing is essentially incriminating yourself into possessing contraband under New Jersey state law in the attempt to legalize your possession of the item under federal law. And that's what the New Jersey gun owner is in an even further predicament thanks to President Biden's anti-Second Amendment, anti-constitutional efforts that he is doing through agency abuse, and that's what's going to hammer New Jerseyans. Now, as Salvador asked, what about other firearms, other meaning 
the firearm that is declared an other. He's not just talking generally about, quote, other guns. He's talking about the others, which is a legal definition for a firearm where something is neither a pistol nor a long arm and is put in that category of other. And then with a brace on an other, what do you have? And that becomes a very important question because if you have an other and it has a brace, is the braced other going to be viewed as needing a registration to make it an SBR or an SBS? Because now it becomes a short barrel rifle or short barrel shotgun. Part of the rationale that allowed many of these others to exist, particularly like Troy A4s and other guns of that configuration, are now in question. And we're going to need to get actual analysis and some type of official legal opinion as to what happens in New Jersey as far as how the state police want to regard it on those that possess these type of others that use pistol braces because the police, state police opinion on allowing the Troy A4 and quote others relied upon the federal definition utilizing pistol brace which they can no longer rely upon because now it the braces make for firearms falling into other categories and the categories include the possibility of short barrel rifle, short barrel shotgun, etc. So it's quite a mess and it gets even worse for New Jerseyans who A, they're barred from short barrel rifle possession, but also if this firearm is suddenly deemed to be a rifle that is short barrel, the short barrel part, put that aside, it's now a rifle. Well, if it's a rifle that uses a detachable magazine, now the question is, is it an assault firearm? And since many of them have features that would be more than one so-called offending feature, such as having a pistol grip and a threaded barrel, a threaded muzzle, that is, a pistol grip with a flash hider, uh, a pistol grip with a folding or telescoping stock on these guns. Well, you have a pistol grip in any one of these other things, or a bayonet lug or a grenade launcher, which I doubt you'd probably have on there unless you go out grenade launching on weekends. But the problem, as you can see, is that you can then end up possessing, under New Jersey law, an assault firearm as well as a other prohibited gun under either an SBR and SBS category. So it gets very messy, very messy and very dangerous for New Jersey citizens under these efforts by Biden. So be warned and beware. Uh, you need, you're going to need to take action within the 120 days under federal law. As far as registering it, that doesn't look to be a viable option for New Jerseyans. So the most likely option is going to be removal of the brace, and you're going to have to do it in conformance with what satisfies the criteria under this rule and how that's going to be viewed. And I'll have more information on that in upcoming shows. But you've been warned, so watch out. You can thank Biden for this, and uh, you can see his direct 
destructive results and the Democrats as to what they've done to our rights. This is why you need to belong to the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs. They are proud to have them as a sponsor of this show. They are the lobby group, the political arm, the affiliate of the NRA in New Jersey. And you need to be a member because they fight these issues and they're fighting for us as we speak. When we come back, I'll tell you more about them and I have an important, important story about just the, the case that I feel illustrates the absurdity on so many levels of gun control. And I think you'll be fascinated as I was over this particular case. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And welcome back to Gun Lawyer. So I was telling you about the great organization of the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs. Every gun owner in New Jersey needs to belong to the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs. You can easily find them on the web at anjrpc.org. Make sure you join and be a member. They also have a range membership, too. They have a beautiful range called a Cherry Ridge Range, and it's literally shooting to the side of a mountain. It's very gorgeous and beautiful. But you don't have to belong as a range member. You can just belong as a regular member and not a range member, but no matter what, you need to belong. They're the key group, the key group fighting for our rights, full-time paid lobbyist in Trenton, and are heavily involved in litigation going on, fighting for our gun rights and utilizing the newly found uh, strength of the Second Amendment, thanks to Justice Thomas and the Bruin decision. So the recently, the Justice Department has done something that's just 
amazing and fascinating to see. And this is a case in which I think it, it is just chock full of the greatest examples of the failure of gun control, the failure of what the anti-gunners are looking to do, and it speaks to it on different levels through this whole episode of what was a terrible atrocity. I don't call these things tragedies. I call them atrocities because that's what they are. That's what these individuals are committing. They're committing atrocities. And the one that I'm talking about here, this is known as the, what is the Sutherland Springs attack. Sutherland Springs in Texas. And as you may recall, in 2017, there was an attack in Sutherland Springs on the church there. And in this attack on the church by this uh, individual who uh, went on this atrocity, this rampage, uh, it killed, uh, I believe, uh, 22 persons and injured 26 persons. And it was terrible tragedy that is not a tragedy at all, but is an atrocity. Yet you'll constantly hear it called a tragedy. And it's atrocity because it's the individual. When you start talking about tragedy, then it, it somehow makes it sound like it's something that we're to blame for, and we're not. It's this guy that's who to blame. But you see, in this case, the lawyers for the survivors of the victims, etc., their families, they're suing. They sued. And they sued the government. And here's the interesting thing. What ended Sutherland Springs, what ended that attack, first of all, and you may have heard about it, was a law-abiding citizen with an AR-15. That's right. The hero of Sutherland Springs is Stephen Wilford. And you may have heard about him and because he was the guy that went and grabbed his AR and went there and helped out and stopped this atrocity from becoming even worse. And here, a citizen with an AR-15 is the critical component to stopping this, what the antis like to call, gun violence. All right? So, first of all, Sutherland Springs stands for the proposition of an armed citizen with an AR-15 making a difference. Now, the antis hate that, of course. They hate that because that goes against their narrative. It goes against their agenda. So what makes this case so interesting is not only do we have a law-abiding citizen saving the day with an AR-15, which just drives the antis nuts, but from this atrocity... There was a lawsuit, and the lawsuit ended up in which Biden's DOJ, okay, this is Biden's, had to, has to defend what happened here because this individual who caused all this mayhem was somebody who never should have been allowed to purchase a gun under current federal law.
But the Air Force failed, and this isn't even something that's questioned. The Air Force failed to put into the database for Nick's that he had a domestic violence prohibitor, that he was dishonorably discharged, which would have been a prohibitor, and that he had an involuntary mental health commitment that would have been a prohibitor. So here's a guy with three disqualifiers under federal law, any one of which would deny him the ability to purchase a gun. And the Air Force did not put this information into the database, and he was able to purchase firearms that he apparently ended up using in his uh, deadly spree. And now the government ends up getting slammed in a lawsuit for $230 million. And they're held responsible in this civil suit for the failure of the Air Force to put this information into the NICS database. So it actually put the government in the position where they had to argue that they're not responsible because the NICS database won't stop somebody who's bent on committing crimes. Yeah, our government actually said this. Listen to this. Listen to this. The government argued that, essentially they're saying the perpetrator here, was aware of many avenues for obtaining firearms without going through a background check. And he was determined to commit his premeditated crime. And the government insisted that the system's failure to stop it, it can't be considered the legal cause of the harm because he would have found another way to get a gun. That's our Biden's DOJ arguing that, folks. Keep Think about this now. They're arguing that NICS doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't stop criminals and madmen from getting guns, even if the Air Force had put the information into the system. Whoa. Whoa. They had to admit it. They're actually using it in a case where they've been found liable because their own BS about stopping individuals that NICS is somehow effective has bitten them in the ass for $230 million, okay? And they don't like that now when reality bites you in the ass. That guess what? You're now responsible for this stupid system that doesn't work anyway. You're responsible for this. And they're holding the government responsible through the Air Force, not putting the names in, even though the government itself argues that even if they had put it in, it wouldn't have stopped him. So let's just take a step back from this whole thing now. Why the hell do we even have Nick's? It is a complete recognized failure by our government. It doesn't work. Our government admits it won't stop criminals. So who's it stopping, folks? You and me. It's just law-abiding citizens put through yet another hoop, another bunch of, quote, disqualifiers that don't stop anybody anyway. And it's yet an intrusion on our rights 
that is there to make the public feel good when the government itself admits it doesn't work. And there's still plenty of avenues that bad guys can still get their guns. So every time you see Nick's national instant check being pushed, every time you see, oh, we need to add this disqualifier and that disqualifier, and we have to go through these background checks, what do we learn? What do we know? That it doesn't work. Why are we using a system that is admittedly a failure and admittedly not doing what it set out to do to the degree that our own government uses it as a defense because our government is held liable when their own pack of lies bites them in the ass over what Nick should be doing but never does and in fact can't do. That's the stupidity of this. In a lawsuit brought because of an atrocity that only ended because of a law-abiding citizen with an AR-15. The other thing that the antis want to stop. So this Sutherland Springs case is like the prime example of the folly and the failure of gun laws. There's just no question about it. This is why I'm here, and that you're listening to Gun Lawyer, so that you can see the truth. We have to keep fighting for the truth. The truth is on our side. Please make sure you support the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs at anjrpc.org. This is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws do not protect honest citizens from criminals. It protects criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.